When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field to talk about Packers playoff football, West, It's the NFC Divisional Round. The Packers are headed west to face the number one seed in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. It will be a 7.15 p.m. Central Time kickoff from Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. Short week here for the Packers. It's already Thursday, which is actually Friday, and the plane leaves Friday, which is actually Saturday in the football world. But however you want to shake it out, this game is coming up soon. It's almost here already. Yeah, and for me, it feels like Monday right now, uh, (laughs) trying to get your bearings with all this. Listen, I mean, it's been one of these weeks where you can celebrate quickly, but you have to flip the page. And I think listening to the guys on Wednesday discuss this, I mean – there is this us against the world mentality. I think guys are excited about this opportunity. And, I mean, you, it goes without saying, Mike, but when you won four games in a row and you went into Dallas and toppled the Cowboys the way you did, I, I, not to, there's never going to be an issue with overconfidence with this team, but I, I just think there's a swagger that they needed to get back, and it's been reinstilled in that locker room. It's something they're hoping can – really catapult them towards another massive upset here against the 49ers. Yeah, the way that I've felt about uh, about this team, and I felt the same way last week going into the Dallas game, is they are perfectly aware of what they're up against, that these opponents, the Dallas Cowboys last week, the 49ers this week, these opponents are better than the ones that they played towards the tail end yep. of the regular season. I talked last week, the Dallas Cowboys would be the best team the Packers were going to play since the Kansas City Chiefs came to Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football. These guys are perfectly aware of what they're up against, but they are fully confident in if they play their own game, if they do what they know they're capable of doing, there's no reason to be intimidated or to actually feel like underdogs. That they're letting other people talk about yep. the whole underdog underdog thing, and and that's and that's fine. That's not how they feel about their own team. No, I I think listening to guys discuss this too, they respect everybody, but they realize that they are one of eight left in this thing, and they have they are one of the eight with the chance to win the 2024 Lombardi Trophy. Yeah. So. San Francisco is in the complete opposite situation as Green Bay. They practically were able to rest their starters the last six quarters of the season. They had the bye last week. 
And it's come up a couple times in my coverage and with other writers mentioning, you know, this is the complete inverse of what happened two years ago with San Francisco coming in here as a six seed after beating Dallas and, and trying to knock off the number one seed at Green Bay Packers. They have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain. And if you want to mention the trying to exercise some of these postseason demons with the 49ers, I'm sure that'll be something people want to talk about too. But by and large, it's riding this Jordan Love train and this wave of momentum and hoping that maybe, just maybe, with another victory, you can step one step closer to achieving something special. Yeah, for sure. Well, you look at this 49ers season. They were 12-5. and five. As you said, they had the bye, so we just have all of the regular season um, to review here. They lost three straight games in October when they lost both Debo Samuel and Trent Williams to injury. Their star receiver, slasher, running back, whatever you want to call Debo, and then obviously the all-pro left tackle in Williams. Three straight losses, but when they got healthy, they got rolling again. Since then, they've only lost two games. One was when they took it on the chin from Baltimore, a really hot Baltimore Ravens team that went into Santa Clara. I believe that was on Christmas night, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and really took it to the 49ers. And um, you know, quite frankly, gave uh, Brock Purdy his worst, the worst game of his of his young career at quarterback. And then they also lost in Week 18 when they were resting everybody because they had the number one seed wrapped up. Um, but these guys, Wes, they've outscored their opponents by almost 200 total points over the course of the year, 491 to 298. Brock Purdy has a 113 passer rating, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 69% completion ratio. And I think you had uh, brought up a statistic in one of our written pieces from earlier in the week. His passer rating is like 120 over the second half of the season, and that actually includes the four-interception game in Baltimore. So that one Baltimore game being the outlier where the where the Ravens were just uh, all over them from the jump, Brock Purdy's been playing some really, really good football. Yeah, I mean, if Brock Purdy was a number one overall draft pick a couple of years ago, people would be talking about how, wow, I mean, the 49ers really knocked this one out of the park. <laughs> I don't I've said this many times I, I don't understand why there's so much hate with the guy I think when when certain anomalies form and come out of nowhere to to sort of captivate a fan base and galvanize a football team people just try to find ways to to knock it they did that for years with Lamar Jackson too even though he was the first round pick 32nd overall people just didn't quite understand why it was working and they needed to find a reason to belittle it. Yeah. Brock Purdy has kind of been in that spot. And honestly, Michael, if it wasn't for that one game against Baltimore, he's probably in the conversation with Jackson for the MVP this year. Yep, totally. I think, that, I think that game, quite frankly, on yeah. Christmas night might have decided the regular season MVP in the NFL. Yeah, and he's he's been mostly lights out. And for him to be able to navigate this offense with all these litany of name players and and playmakers. When you have George Kittle has probably one of the quietest thousand yard seasons you've ever heard of from a tight end. Yeah. Debo Samuel missed some time, but still finished with over 800 total or 800 receiving yards and, and many more total yards. Christian McCaffrey, 2000 total yards. Brandon Ayuk, who we've known for years is going to be a really special receiver in this league. He gets over 1300 reception, 1300 receiving yards for the first time in his career, but also is averaging almost 18 yards per catch. This is an explosive, dangerous San Francisco offense 
and ultimately it starts in the hands of Brock Purdy. Yeah, and when I look at you look at this San Francisco team and, you know, statistically, you know, the total points and everything, they were awfully close to the Dallas Cowboys in in terms of the point total for for the regular season. What sep- what for me separates the San Francisco 49ers from the Cowboys is we spent so much time last week talking about CD Lamb. And yes, there was Brandon Cooks and there Jake Ferguson and Tony Pollard, but it felt like for the Cowboys there was CD Lamb and then there were a bunch of other guys, yep. right? With the San Francisco 49ers, it's like there's all these guys that are kind of up on the same level. There's McCaffrey, as you said, over 2,000 total yards, over 20 touchdowns this season. You have George Kittle, a 1,000-yard tight end. You have Debo Samuel, over 1,100 total yards and 12 touchdowns, despite missing some games with injury. And then Brandon Ayuk is right up there as well, 1,300 yards on just 75 receptions, as you noted, 18 yards per catch, seven touchdowns. Um these these guys have a a you know stable of weapons that uh, um, there really isn't a hierarchy amongst them, and I think that's what uh, that's what makes these guys so challenging to not only prepare for, but then obviously to play against out on the field. Well, and in the way they've built them over the years, and you know they they had a multitude of really successful running backs. The Packers saw a good one and Raheem Mostert a couple of years ago in the postseason, but. Give credit to John Lynch. Give credit to that coaching staff. They realized that Christian McCaffrey, a player of his caliber, was sort of the missing piece for them. Um, it's not just him. We saw what the offense looked like when Debo was unavailable. Yep. Uh, there, there are different guys that function into this, but when all those playmakers are together and playing together as one, there's a reason why they've, they've been able to blow out as many teams as they have. They've been able to sustain this consistency throughout the course of the season. But to give you that shining light, that that hope, is that there is a path forward. It, but it is largely based in being opportunistic. And the few opportunities you're going to get to get a takeaway, you need to take advantage of them. Yep. The, when you are able to stop Christian McCaffrey, like happened during that three-game skid when they he didn't have over 150 yards in three games total, they were able to teams were able to to find ways for a victory. That's what Green Bay has to do, and they have to be prepared to do it for four quarters because 49ers come out swinging, and they do not stop. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Well, we'll uh, take a look at the defensive side of the ball as well, and then we'll get to our keys to victory. But defensively, two numbers stand out uh, above all else. 48 sacks from this defense on the season, as well as 22 interceptions. These guys get after you. Nick Bosa, 10.5 sacks. Javon Hargrave, 7 sacks. Eric Armstead, who it appears they are getting back from injury the way it looks um, based on the practice reports and whatnot. He had 5 sacks this season. They added Chase Young, yep. um, former number 2 overall draft pick by Washington. They added him to that defensive front. He's had uh, 2.5 sacks since he came to the 49ers. This is 
we've t- we've been talking in recent weeks, obviously, about how much Aaron Jones has meant to the Packers' offense and getting the running game going, and what that means not only f- not only for the guys up front, the Packers' offensive line, and establishing the line of scrimmage and being able to run the ball. That's where an offensive line really uh, asserts its its potential dominance. But in opening up the play action and everything else that goes along with being able to run the football, the San Francisco 49ers a much better run defense than the Dallas Cowboys. I think everybody knew based on how teams had beaten the Cowboys during the season that running the ball against them was going to be paramount and was going to be very doable. The 49ers third in the league this season against the run defensively. This is the stat that's that that jumped out at me though, Wes, and when you talk about trying to find the paths forward. The 49ers, though they were third in the league against the run as far as rushing yards giving up, they were 14th in the league in yards per carry. Yep. That's an indication, obviously, that they were winning so many games by such large scores that in the second half of games, teams were out of their running game. They had to throw. They had to play catch-up. The 49ers took teams out of their running game early just based on how things went on the scoreboard. And uh, so the total yards rushing that this defense gave up was, uh, um, was one of the lowest in the league. 14th in yards per carry means that if you, can, if you can hang in there, if you don't fall behind by too much, and you, and you stick to the run and keep after these guys, you can keep yourself in favorable down and distance with the running game. And I think that's something that uh, could be a real key for the Packers here on Saturday night. Yeah, because when you are getting into these type of blowouts, it's not just about, oh, you can't run the ball. It's that teams can't get into what they want to do. I mean, look at what happened against Dallas. Yeah, Dallas put up some yards late, and they got some points. But it was after they scrapped everything they were trying to do offensively yeah. in the first half, at least through the first quarter. Same situation with San Francisco and the teams that they've had to face this season. And I think that's why if I'm Adam Stenovich and Matt LaFleur and, and those offensive coaching staff members reiterating to your guys this week, this is why you run the football. This is why you run the football against Dallas when you get 25 yards on the first seven carries. Yeah, You keep chipping away. You keep trying to work up that hill because if you don't, that's where the pass rushers get going. And I give Steve Wilkes a lot of credit. They've had some injuries this year, but he's been very multiple in how they've been able to generate pressures. 16 different guys, I believe, had sacks for them this season. It's not like it was just, oh, Nick Bosa had 20 and then everybody else filled in. No, yeah. Nick Bosa leads the way there. 10 and a half, 35 quarterback hits. But it's, it's the sum of the whole from that vantage point. And then it also does help, Mike. It doesn't matter if the year is 2014 or 2024. If you're talking about San Francisco football, if you're talking about the 49ers, they have stellar inside linebacker play. It is a tale as old as time. And Fred Warner, in my estimation, they've had some good ones. I'd put him up there as the very best. His longevity, his durability, and his ability to perform at a high level. You know, Drake Greenlaw, these other guys that have come in, it it takes a team. It's all 11. But Fred Warner has been the quarterback of that defense for years now, and I think is when you talk about, well, why are they able to be so successful year in and year out? I think it starts with him. Yeah, I, it's it's funny when you look at it because back, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, roughly a decade ago, let's say, just for round numbers' sake, they had Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman as those two linebackers just commanding the middle of the field on that defense. And you watch that defense and you go, man, like – 
you know, how, how is anybody ever going to find another tandem like this? Well, the 49ers now have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Yep. And, um, and I, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, as, as much as I, you know, admired Patrick Willis and I think, you know, he's, he's getting deserved hall of fame consideration. Fred Warner might be better than Patrick Willis. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, a decade ago, I wouldn't have said that, that the 49ers might ever find another, another middle linebacker inside linebacker as good as Willis. So isn't it funny though, it, the, the game changed. Like when you talk about 2010s, early 2010s, Willis was the man. Like he, he is a bona fide hall of famer. Oh I yeah. It. Yeah. But it's like, even as the inside linebacker position evolved and these defenses changed to the pass heavy nature of the league, then you have somebody like Warner who pops up. And I remember the first couple of times Aaron Rodgers was hip to this well before yep, I, was. I was just, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers was talking about how good Fred Warner was before Fred Warner ever got an all pro vote of yep. any kind, quite frankly. And uh, as usually happens, the, the outside recognition comes after, uh, you know, a little while after a guy actually establishes himself. And, uh, but as as much as Fred Warner maybe wasn't a household name a handful of years ago, the teams that were playing against the 49ers, they absolutely knew about Warner out there. How, how funny is it, though, too? You know, Chris Borland walked away from the game, but they found Chris Borland, too. Like, yeah. it's not like yeah. we talk about, oh, the, the first round pick. Fred Warner was a third round pick. I think Borland might have been a fourth rounder. I mean, when you it, it, you look at the Packers' offensive side of the ball right now with Dontavian Wicks, and when you find real talent in the middle rounds yeah. of the draft, yep. that's how you fill out a football team. You don't do it in March in free agency. Yeah. You, you do it in April. And, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about, about him because it's, it's been impressive. It's been – it has – so this all came up for me, not to take this off on a tangent, but um, you're not on social media, but I, I got a lot of my social media stuff that gets kicked back to me. One, by the way, today was, I believe, nine years to the day that we were in Seattle – when the Packers played the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game, not to bring up bad memories. But a week ago, it was 11 years of the day that we were in Candlestick for the NFC yeah. Divisional Playoff game yeah. against the 49ers. And you talk about Blue Bloods. I know Colin Coward had this on his show a couple of days. This is what the NFL is about. The coaching staffs change. The players definitely change. But it's those mentalities that are kind of woven into the fabric of organizations. Yeah. And that's why it's really exciting. I, I can't wait for Saturday. I just wish it could be here already, honestly. Yeah. It's wild when you think about it. The Packers and Cowboys last week played their ninth postseason game against one another for yeah. those two franchises. Packers 49ers, this is now the 10th postseason game between these two teams. I want to get to uh want to get to our keys to victory for Green Bay, but I don't want to forget about our sponsor business. So Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24/7 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries and creamy shakes all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs 50 years of better. All right, I want I I want to mention this before we get into more specific keys to victory because this is sort of like the obvious one. When you're the seven seed going up against the one seed, you're looking for you know you have to give yourself a a, a chance at the victory. Yep. Right? You have to put yourself in position, give yourself a chance at the end. And here's here's the interesting thing that I found. You know, as I mentioned, the 49ers have outscored their opponents this year by almost 200 total points. 
In their 12 victories, only one of those victories was by one score. It was a seven-point victory early in the season. Their other 11 wins have all been by multiple scores. And it just makes me wonder, because last week all the pressure was on the Dallas Cowboys and, you know, the seize everything and all these slogans that they had and, you know, Jerry Jones saying he thought they had a team that could win it all. All that pressure that lied in Dallas – and the Packers were the, the Packers were the uh, were the outsiders coming in. There's a lot of pressure on San Francisco here. They've been a really good team for a long time. Whether you're talking about the Harbaugh years or now the 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 Shanahan years as a head coach, but they still have yet to win that championship for as good as they've been for as long as they've been. There's a lot of pressure on that other side, and this team only won one game this year that was decided by one score. If you can keep this thing close. How much pressure is going to ratchet up on those guys in the fourth quarter if it's a tight game? That's where I think that that's where I think just maybe just maybe the whole seven seed versus one thing could work for Green Bay if they can be there at the end. Yeah, and winning on third downs and, and getting making this be where Brock Purdy has to make some plays. And I know there were some comments made about pressure this week, and Brock Purdy has been extraordinary against the Blitz this year. But yeah. you need to be able to generate pressure with four, though, too. Yes. And and that's where I feel like you're going to need to give your coverage guys some leeway there. You're going to need to allow those guys to be able to adapt and, and learn from what they're seeing from San Francisco because they're going to see it all. They're going to get the book thrown at them. Uh, with the amount of weapons they have and the way that they can utilize them, it's going to be a very – like it's going to be a really fun game to watch in terms of the athleticism, the skill, and I and I really believe the scheme from both sides. But for Green Bay, the one thing you cannot lose sight of is the fact that Brock Purdy still is a second-year quarterback. He still is a young dude. And there were no two quarterbacks hotter during the final eight games of the regular season than Brock Purdy and Jordan Love. Yep. It's not a joke. It's not a, it's not a coincidence that these teams got to this point. No. It starts with quarterback play. And I love the way that Jordan Love is playing right now. Not to boil it down to, well, Love has to have a better passer rating than Purdy or he needs to throw for more yards than Purdy or have more touchdowns. But the way that Jordan Love is playing right now, if he can solve this riddle that is the Steve Wilkes defense, I love Green Bay's chances in this game. Because even though they're 9-8, and eight, the reason you play all these games, the reason why they don't just wrap it up after – Halloween and say, all right, time for the playoffs. <laughs> right. It's because of the maturation that happens with these football teams. San Francisco is the juggernaut. They've been doing it since day one. They were doing it well before this season began. Green Bay, in a lot of ways, is more of the upstart. But I think when you look at the ceiling and where this thing is rising for Green Bay, the trajectory that they're on, I, I threw the line in an insider inbox. You had to edit it. It, to me, it really does remind me of a marathon. It reminds me of a race. It reminds me of a 3,200-meter run where Packers have had a really good kick here in these last four weeks of the season. And now this is the litmus test to see if you can catch who's been the front runner in the NFC. Yeah. The analogy that I used in Insider Inbox is I actually took things back to the Olympics with speed skating. It, to me, the regular season in the NFL now is the, the, the long track, those long distance, whatever, 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters. The guys with the, you know, the, the long strides and everything, you go through this marathon to put yourself in position. And after the marathon, a whole bunch of teams are eliminated, and then there's a set of teams that are moving on. Then they go from the long track with the speed skating to the short track. 
and they fire another starting gun and and off they go and you know and it's you know guys slide you know you you make you make one mistake in the postseason you slide off the track you're done because it's short track right and that's what that that's 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 what the playoffs that's what the playoffs are like um we talked about running the ball and what that means to this offense we talked about you know obviously being in a close game seeing how the 49ers react if they're in a close game with the pressure that's on them offensively the Packers have done such a good job at finishing drives lately they move the ball they get it into the red zone they're putting that ball in the end zone more often than not all of that is going to be paramount when I look at things on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers it all comes down to tackling um this 49ers, as we talk about, with, with all of those weapons, all the different guys that Purdy can get the ball to, they scheme things up to get their guys into open space, into one-on-one matchups in the open field. This is a very difficult offense to rally to the ball and get a whole bunch of guys to the ball to make tackles. You are forced to make one-on-one tackles against McCaffrey, against Samuel, against you know Brandon Ayuk, against all these guys in the open field. You cannot miss tackles against these guys because that's where the six and seven yard gains rupture into 26 yep. and 27 yard gains. The Packers have to be on their P's and Q's with tackling in this game. And I think that's what's going to give them the opportunities to get the 49ers into third downs and see if they can get off the field. What did you make of the forecast out there? I touched on this in inbox. I, I was curious to see what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, I mean, I've scattered I, showers basically. Yeah, I've been hearing different. I've been hearing different things. So I've heard that supposedly it's going to rain all day on Saturday. Other things I've heard said it, it it's going to rain Saturday night, but it might start not start raining until the second half of the game, like you know, further into the evening. Um, I don't know. I it's. I, I, if you're asking me, you know, does does a does a wet potentially wet sloppy or slow track, you know, favor favor one team over the other? Um, I'd be okay with a little bit of a wet sloppy track just because of because I think it I think it would potentially throw the 49ers off more than it would throw the Packers off. Uh, yeah, and not that I think both teams are built athletically and to speed. Green Bay is a much this is probably the fastest receiving core they've yeah. had in my time on the beat. Yep. Uh, but San Francisco, I don't know how many of those kind of mutter games they've played in this year, but Green Bay's played through some interesting elements throughout the course of the season. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see what happens. Like I told people in inbox, you can't formulate the game plan on it, but it's stuff you have to be prepared for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and to tie this back to the point I want to make. We, you know, so much gets made out of Christian McCaffrey and absolutely deserves every bit of that credit. But probably the most underrated running back during that same entire time has been Aaron Jones. He got one Pro Bowl nod, but for the most part, he's been more of a uh, a locally appreciated running back rather than the the nationwide accolades. Yeah. And at 29 years old, he's running as well as he's ran his entire career. Yep. In terms of the consistency of it, I think at four straight hundred yard games. 20 plus touches in all these matchups i've ran through all the statistics before on how the packers fare when he gets over 100 total yards i i I honestly believe when you're talking about keys to victory the biggest one probably comes back to the stat that you threw out there about the yards per carry allowed by san francisco this season if you're able to keep within arm's reach of them what is possible yeah go back to two years ago they kind of fell out of that. Aaron Jones had a ton of receiving yards, but they weren't able to establish that. Can you crack that egg yeah. 
and being able to sustain that throughout an entire football game regardless of what the conditions may be. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I think it is regardless of what the conditions may be. It's going to be what are what are the numbers on the scoreboard and how is that going to how is that going to impact how you're calling the game in the second half in particular as as things go along? Can you can you stick with the game plan or does the game get into a situation where, you know, you you uh, you have to you have to throw some things out because you need to operate more quickly. You need to try to score quickly. Um, I think that's uh, that's what this could come down to. And that's where San Francisco and its twenty two interceptions come into play. Yes. Traverius Ward with five. That entire defense with twenty two, which is tied for the most in the NFL this year with Chicago. And how did they solve that riddle against the Bears? They got the run game going with Aaron Jones. Yeah, absolutely. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Well, before we go, some quick thoughts on the other games. Uh, NFC Divisional Playoff Weekend in the NFC. It's Tampa Bay at Detroit in the AFC. You have Kansas City at Buffalo. Remarkably, the first non-Super Bowl postseason game that will be on the road for Patrick Mahomes in his career. Wild, right? Yeah, he's played, whether it's wildcard divisional, conference championship, he has always played at Arrowhead Stadium except for the Super Bowls. He has to go on the road now to Buffalo, which is sort of the 13-second the revenge game from the, you know, the game with the whole 13-second thing and, and the field goal that uh, sent the, the playoff game a couple years ago to overtime. And then Houston at Baltimore. Um, and uh, you know another really interesting quarterback matchup, Lamar Jackson against C.J. Stroud. Yeah, uh, doesn't, great. Doesn't get much more, uh, much more entertaining than that. Your thoughts on any of those three ballgames? Did you see The Dark Knight? I don't know if you're a big movie guy. Did you? I saw it a long okay. time ago, my the, friend. But. The Kansas City and Buffalo reminds me of the Joker's line of like, we are just destined to do this forever. Yeah. Like it just <laughs> yeah. seems like no matter what, we always get Kansas City and Buffalo. It's just rinse and repeat with that matchup we'll see what the result is uh we won't be able to watch it i doubt i'll watch any of it but houston versus baltimore i think is gonna be worth the price of admission yep again in a lot of ways it's very much similar to the packers going into santa clara uh houston has had a remarkable turnaround this year cj stroud has infused life into that organization that i don't think has been there in probably 15 years i mean there were some okay runs with with Watson, but nothing, nothing like this. I mean, where yeah. they think, you know, you got Nico Collins is playing so well right now. You know, Devin Singletary, I think, has shown that he can be a, a back in this league. And when he had some fits and starts in Buffalo, and and D'Amico Ryan's, quite frankly, has put together kind of, you know, kind of a no name defense yeah. that that is pretty darn good. I mean, you don't you don't have J.J. Watt, you don't have that headliner on the Houston Texans defense anymore. But D'Amico Ryan's, you know, has uh, has put together a pretty good unit on that yeah. side of the ball. You know, and honestly, we talk so much about Stroud, but Anderson's been a good pick for them too. I mean, yeah. it looks like he has plenty yeah. in front of him. That how often a number 2 overall pick can get overlooked just because of, you know, <laughs> who that number 1 pick was being the, probably the offensive rookie of the year. That'll be a fun matchup. But let's be honest, Mike, we don't care about Houston. We don't care about Baltimore. We don't care about what's going on in AFC West and the AFC East. Tampa Bay is going to go into to Detroit. 
and either that game is going to mean everything to the Packers or it's going to mean nothing to the Packers. Yeah. And I am very curious to see a Tampa Bay team that has had imperfections this year, but then last week you saw what they did against Philadelphia, a Philadelphia team that was just kind of begging to get knocked out. Mm -hmm. And they threw the blows in the second half to do it. Yeah, they did. Against the Detroit team that not only did they get that win finally in the playoffs, but they, they had to win it the hard way against the Rams. That was a knockdown drag out battle in a postseason. Yeah, the Lions, the Lions started the Lions started fast in that game. They got three touchdowns in the first half. Then in the second half, they only had like 86 yards of total offense. And as I mentioned on our last show, their defense just kept stopping the Rams in the red zone, making them kick field goals, and they were able to hang on. You know, they just hung on for that that one point victory. Whereas the you know the the Buccaneers in some respects were the opposite, where it was you know they were slugging it out a little bit with the Eagles, but then as you said in the second half, they threw the haymakers and 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 pulled away. So the way those two teams got to this point uh, through Wild Card Weekend was very different. Yeah, and and. I, it's a great – I love the way the playoffs lined up this year. I think there's a lot of exciting different variables to this. And whether it's the storyline with the Lions or seeing what the Packers can do with this late-season rally, uh, I like one of the big comments that Matt LaFleur this week is we are going to come out swinging. Kenny Clark said it in the locker room after the game. We are going to fight. That is the one thing we are going to do. We are not going to guarantee victories, but we are going to fight – and it was good enough for a win in Dallas. And now the Packers have to decide whether or not it's going to be good enough to take care of business in California. Yeah, well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a whale of a ball game. Can't wait for it to get here, as you said. With that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of our coverage from Saturday night's NFC Divisional Playoff game. We will be there at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara with all of that for you. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. <laughs>